everybody, welcome to another episode of uh, well, the first episode of Face Liberty and Praxis on this time again on Jose's channel. So, Jose, how you doing? Doing all right yourself. It was doing nice good. to see you briefly at Tom Woods 2000. That was cool. Yeah, that was. I've, I've never been day drunk before, and so that uh, evening was just weird for me. <laughs> You've never been day drunk? What the hell is wrong with you? I'm I'm twenty. I'm twenty three. You know, just start drinking. Oh, okay. So. I don't know. They, yeah. And I want, one day you'll get a few acres. There's nothing better than a than a, you know, your day off and it's time to go mow mow your giant ass lawn and you know like let's get hammered. That, that's that's fun. That, that sounds fun. Yeah, I've uh, that, I fucked up my mower a couple times getting a little too tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a that was a fun event because I was I went to I went I went to that burger place that was in there, made my burger, drinking my beer, see see the time and just fucking leave and didn't pay for anything. Yeah, just walked out. I had I had a, uh, I got an email like you never paid for your meal, sir. I was like, oh shit. Oh yeah, no, we we had a blast. Uh, uh, I I only saw you briefly. I mean, you you know that, but uh, just for the listeners. But yeah, I I had a blast. I didn't I didn't watch any of the the Tom Woods thing. I figured you know I could probably watch this later. Uh, get to meet all my internet friends and uh, you know, Tower Gang assembled for the first time there. That was cool. Uh, it it was a lot of fun. I uh, I definitely that was probably the most fun I've had this year. Um, nice. You know these liberty events. Uh, I don't know. They're they're catchy. I mean, so yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm planning to go to the uh, was it Silderberg? That's one. I'm, I'm gonna go to that one. Yeah, I, I'll I'll be honest. I I have no intent on going anywhere other than like stuff in Florida. Because <laughs> so, I, well, I, I, I I'm a homebody, but you know. I've only left the state like eight times, maybe. I've yeah. never been east or west. I've only ever been north, like up Indiana and back. That's about it. Yeah, you're so Florida guy too, right? Yep, born and raised. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. So, well, I want to see Texas. Want to see other places, you know? Yeah. Really, just that. Just Texas and Florida. That's really the only places I care to see now. Yeah. Well. well. So what? Okay, I want to. Are you, is Tower Gang actually going on Tim Pool? So I keep hearing uh, about that. Is that actually happening? Yeah, there was a a while back. There was the um, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down. Um. God, she said, uh, you go, oh, they mentioned, uh, they briefly mentioned us on, um, Tim Pool because they had, um, who did they have? I think they had Alex Jones and, uh, and, uh, and Phil Labonte, I believe was mm. the two. And, um, I don't remember what they were talking about because Shu was supposed to come on, I guess. And, um, Shu has been on our show. Um, and, uh, God, now the echo's back. Or now the echo did come up. We, we were d- dealing with audio. Now, now, now we do have an echo, but. Oh, it's gone. So we're good. I don't know what. what I don't know if you moved and it magically uh, fixed the echo. But yeah, no, we had Shu on uh, our show, and uh, someone I guess commented like a super chat, like, "Oh, that's crazy. Like she won't go on there, but she'll go on a uh, Tower Gang." And then then Phil kind of because he's been well, he hadn't been on that point. He's been on now, but he was aware of us and he like mentioned who they were because mm-hmm. Tim's like, "I don't know who that is." And then uh, I think uh, Fat Dave said said some shit like. Uh, I don't remember what it was in response to, but it was like, uh, said something to, I think, Sour Patch Lids or whatever. Um, and uh, they said, uh, I, can't, I wish I could remember the exact how it went down. I feel like an idiot. I, I guarantee you Fat Dave knows it by heart. Um, mm. God, we get a low whirring again. I don't know. Did you put your headphones back on? Did you actually no. turn them on? No, that's still about it. Sounds like a printer going <laughs> or something. I'm, it, no, I'm, it could be this. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. How's that? You made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how. I guess I'm turning it back on. Yeah. Oh, whatever's going on is 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 better now. What the fuck? 
Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, no, uh, then she said something along the lines of, uh, like, oh, but you guys can come on on the show at some point. And then at that point, I think Clint started messaging her and stuff because, uh, so she basically invited us on Sour Patch Lids, which she's the one who kind of handles the booking and stuff. And, um, and then Clint kind of got in the DMs and stuff because he's been on before. Um, and uh, from there, they've been talking. I guess the, the thing was uh, they were going to wait until uh, they, they got the new studio. They have the new studio now. And uh, I was just watching Clint's newest episode with, with Sour Patch Lids on there. I can't remember her actual name. I feel like an idiot. But um, I just know that's her Twitter name. And uh, I, I guess he, he, he we were talking in the group chat and he was saying that the, that they brought it up in there. And I guess it was something to do with like maybe expenses. I don't know. It looks I, I think it'll still happen because I didn't realize, I guess, Tim Pool uh, flies uh, or the, the Tim cast. They, they'll fly people that are desk up there. I didn't even realize that. Wow. So I assumed yeah. you just had to go on your own. Like, you know, what I mean, like yeah. for the for the opportunity. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to this level of professional type podcasting, mm-hmm. but I guess they fly them up and they're I guess. I haven't gone there yet, so I don't know specifically what they said. But he was saying in the group chat that something along the lines that they they may have concerns about expenses, and I'm like, uh, I mean, obviously, if they're gonna pay for my flight, I'm not gonna say no. But at the end of the day, I will literally go there if that's the sticking point. You know, paying for it, I will, I will fucking go. You know, what I mean, yeah. like, I mean, but yes, it's a, uh, it's totally. I mean, I guess I can't say a hundred percent it's happening, but I would say like ninety five plus percent it's happening, which is fucking wild. That is uh, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, we're gonna have to turn off the pee pee poo poo and just do big brain time for that uh, that well, one. Yeah, it's gonna be, for, uh, Tim is so cautious of like talking about like me. So Pete was on a so Pete mentioned I have a next Tim was like, whoa, hold on, do your doctor describe it? He's so cautious of getting his channel yeah. taken out with this completely fail. I just yeah, I can't yeah. see Tower Gang in that environment he's gonna be on his the toes like well hold on guys hold on it's just i, I think you'd be surprised i mean i guess he has an after an after uh hours type thing or something like that so uh, i'll have to pay for that because that's gonna be hilarious yeah so I, I yeah we'll probably we'll i'm sure we'll mix it up be a little more fun there i mean even then it probably won't be to the normal antics of tower gang but i mean we're totally capable of doing uh dialing back the pee pee poo poo and just going big brain time like for example uh the t- the two main guys of tower gang like the 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 like i don't know if i necessarily say the head guys but the they're ones who basically run it all uh and the rest of us just kind of show up in and out you know when we can but like mm-hmm. toad and uh fat dave they've been on a, i remember they were on chrissy mayer's show before which i don't know if you're aware if you know who she is and they were on with Carol Roth. Uh, she's, I believe, she's a gas digital person. I, I might be wrong, but uh, she, she's kind of biggish. I mean, she's pretty cool. Uh, but they were on there, and it's a little more serious. And they, they were serious the whole time and fine. And they've, <laughs> they, I think they've been on a few other shows that are more serious. We're totally capable of doing it. I mean, we're, I mean, you, you, people see my show. I mean, I, I'm kind of like a, I'm a little bit more laid back, I guess. I wouldn't say I am exactly like part of the problem normally, but like that, that's kind of the more the vibe to like where yeah. I usually touch on serious topics, but I don't have any problem, you know, letting a fuck fly here and there or like, you know, being a little crude. But so I'm capable of being serious. I mean, it will be a little hard to dial it back. I was thinking, too, because we're about to cover for those who aren't aware or don't read the title. We're about to do a live reading of an Agris primer. And I was curious, like, is that going to be an issue? Like in my head, I was kind of running through today while I was working like. Would that be an issue? Because essentially what agorism is to some extent is like advocating for doing illegal shit. So it's like, I'm sure we're probably going to philosophy and stuff. And I will be the guy to be like, yeah, you should just do illegal shit. And it's like, just break the law. <laughs> like, is that going to be an issue? I don't know. I mean, I, apparently, I guess, uh, I think Clint's even said on his show before that they like, like before they do it, they'll give you like a long list of stuff that like, this is what you got to do. Like, you can't break these rules. So 
don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely it'd be something I'd be super excited to do. I'd like yeah. to see if I can't get Tim to. Uh, I mean, if I, I'll, I'll try to work my grift if I, that does happen to get Tim to do one of my Erica's Handbook episodes. Oh, that'd be great. I know he's doing the um, he's doing the reading for. Uh, I, can't, I wish I could remember what which one it is, but he's one of the lefties. I know that because uh, that's the biggest issue I've been having with this is I don't really – my circle doesn't really include left anarchists too much. Yeah. It's like I, and, and even then the few that I do know aren't like huge theory guys. So I'm like I don't know like I, – I, like I don't really know any guys that are like big in a theory that are left anarchists that I can get to do those episodes. So like yeah. – and Tim Poole would obviously be awesome to have. I mean even though he's probably – he doesn't – he's not like super deep theory guy, but it'd be mm-hmm. it would be cool to have him do – you know the same one he's doing the uh, audiobook for to do yeah. the uh, the podcast version for. So uh, cool. it would definitely be a great opportunity. I never thought you know saying the n word would get us this far. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because like yeah. towering the n word on sats, and it's like, well, how did that, what that gets you? I, yeah. Pool. yeah, no, it, it's funny, and we get so many haters too that think it's just some grift and like. I mean, I, not really. It's literally just we were just we were literally started as a group chat. They were like, "Hey, we're just homies that have fun conversations." And like, you know, and a few of us already had podcasts. And like, we should have like a group podcast where we just kind of have like a more like a chilling with the boys type vibe. And it took off. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, you can be mad. I don't really care. Be mad, salty bitches. I don't really give a shit. Like, I, whatever. If that's a grift to you, I I don't really care. Whatever. We're just having fun. So. <laughs> We'll keep on doing it as long as we can. So, yeah. Got a grift. I was, I was listening to uh, Curtis Yarvin, and he was doing a podcast. And they got like, you know, you all are the great stuff. It's like, it's all terrible. It all sucked. No one wants to read it, but it was great. No, no. I'm trying to write a book now. I got to grift it. He just started basting <laughs> his own work. He said, no one wants to read it. My new stuff's going to be way better. Yeah. Was, got a grift. So, let's get into it. An agorist primer. I've done a book club on it with a Saudi agorist, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to do a live reading. Yeah. Which I do want to say real quick, I believe the order in which these books came out was a Libertarian Manifesto and then this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people say you need to read a, a, a Libertarian Manifesto first, or a new Libertarian Manifesto first. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily agree. I mean, it's been a while since I've read these, but from what I recall, I actually kind of like the inverse, because uh, from what I recall, New Libertarian Manifesto goes more into like, uh, kind of like revisionist history and like, you know, his idea of like the phases of like how agorism will like, you know, supposedly bring about a free, st- a free world to, or whatever. And agorist primer more covers the basics. So for me, it's like, I kind of like, I mean, that would make sense to go first and then the other, yeah. but I mean, whatever. It, it, I, I actually found this one to be more enjoyable, although I like both of them. So I, I definitely, and, yeah. I like the other one. It was fun, but this one, I thought actually, like that one, I think I gave you a strategy, like his strategy was spelled mm-hmm. out, but this one actually gave you like, I don't know, a, pra- a praxis, you know, it's like, yeah. this is what you need to be doing. So yeah, I know it's great stuff. Yeah. So, so I'm yeah. not a full blown agorist either. So, so anybody want I'm, I'm sort of paleo working local. I'm actually going to be meeting with my uh, city council and city attorney sometime next week to try to get some laws repealed. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Are you one of those filthy praxians? <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I want, I, I, I have had most of them on my podcast and I talked to most of them and mm-hmm. like I practiced my bio. That's about it. But it, they all, yeah. Everybody in that group. Yeah, I'm very Praxian friendly. I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. I have some hesitations, uh, but like essentially the way I see it at their core, they're pushing Konkin and Hoppe, which yes. like I, I don't I'm I'm more of an agorist. And I, I think I'm more of the opinion that that's the better way to go. 
But if I'm of the opinion, if you have, if you really feel like you absolutely need to go the political route for whatever reason, Hoppe is the most preferable route to go. And so for me, Praxians is kind of like a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying people should go that route, but like, it's kind of like, I don't mind. I mean, there's probably some little little minutiae around the edges I could find to complain about, about like uh, some of the post-libertarians, but I'm very friendly to the concept. I, I like it. I, I, I like what they're pushing to some extent. So Yeah, my, my, my view is the uh, like Papa uh, Konkin route is like, yeah, it would be great if more people go in Konkin route, but it's so many people you have to like convince by accent, mm-hmm. you know? Why was yeah. this accent? Like, for example, in Balto, it's illegal to sell booze on Sunday. You mm-hmm. can't sell any booze on a... Any liquor on Sunday and no beer wine after 12. If I wanted to say agri way around that, I'd have to buy it Saturday, sell it Sunday, or convince them to go sell it. Yeah. Where after four emails and a meeting, I might get that repeal and they'll just do it anyway. You yeah. know, and I just made it easier for agorists to do that thing. And so I really, I, I want, my goal is make things easier for the agorists, which is, yeah. um, yeah, no, and the funny thing is too, I, I think they weirdly in a way kind of mirror each other. Like I feel like in effect what happens from both of them, like essentially to me personally, the Hoppian route is essentially agorism, but with politics, like like adding that in. So like essentially what it creates, like you're kind of carving out areas of liberty. And uh, that's kind of what agorism is. That's what hopping is. And it's funny that they like these two factions are are actually most known for being at odds. Uh, I actually don't see it that way, but I I had a whole episode on this with uh, Jared uh, from and uh, and democracy or from hopping.org or whatever. And it's funny we kind of talked about that, and it, and I I totally get the critiques that a lot of them come at with agorists because uh they're um they kind of. A lot of it's like the social stuff they get at, and I, I kind of get it because uh, as I'm sure we'll touch on in here that he does. Uh, Konkin is known for describing himself as a left libertarian, yeah. and I think sometimes it's one of those things where it's like he wasn't meaning it in the way that people mean left now, but the problem is it's kind of now people mean left in a certain way, and it almost is this weird self fulfilling prophecy where mm-hmm. like if you like say say you know people find out about agorism they're like oh yeah it's left libertarianism and then it naturally attracts left libertarians because they think that's yeah. what it is and it kind of then becomes that way which i guess that's kind of like what the uh, conquest law or the fuck it is you know to some extent so i don't know but yeah we're kind of droning on enough let's i mean it's but i guess let's get in the book <laughs> let's get to it so yeah. i'll start with the uh, introduction and bear with me my my reading voice is worse than my actual voice <clears throat> agorism can be defined simply it is, is sought and action consistent with freedom. The moment one deals with thinking, acting consistently, and especially freedom, things get more and more complex. I think I missed the word in there somewhere. No, uh, I think you got them all. Okay. Castle. I can't even read that. Um, <laughs> hold on to the virtue of consistency. The refusal to compromise and deceive oneself to sell out or to be realistic. Create a... Um, Created agorism, consider being realistic. This usually implies that theory is fine for the thinking, but in practice, one must deal with reality. Agorists believe that any theory which does not describe reality is a useless or deliberately or a deliberate attempt by intellectuals to defraud non-specialists. I want to talk about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, There's I know. No- I was about to. I was about to stop you too. Yeah, uh, yeah. go ahead. You- <laughs> There's nothing I hate more than the whole one. You've, you seriously work in reality. Like I don't deal with people who don't live in reality. Like, I have a friend, I was talking about politics. He said, the only thing is politics that's a problem is all this money in politics. We got to get money out of politics. And I'm like, 
I want to get started out of the ocean. It's like we're not <laughs> we're not talking about reality here, you know. Yeah. It's you missing an ad or yeah, no, uh, it's this there's been this uh, talking point and I get what people are getting at as of late, but it comes off as conceding. Uh it, it kind of comes off as like, oh well let's be realistic or Oh, in theory or whatever, or, or like that kind of like talking points. It's like you don't need to if you're in this position to where you're like having to any way concede, you know, be like, oh, well, in theory or whatever, or, or like, like, let's be practical. It's like, well, then maybe either your theory sucks or you're looking at it in the wrong way, because if your theory doesn't work in reality, you have a shit theory because yeah. that's the whole point of theory is to, you know, kind of describe reality. And yeah, it's a. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, a, a, a sterner quote I like to uh, use a lot is, uh, "God, uh, your principles should serve you. You shouldn't serve your principles." Mm. So it's it's kind of the same idea. It's like if your principles aren't working to your ends or to the ends of liberty, then it's like, well, maybe your principles suck, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you need to find a principle that applies. So yeah, yeah. that's basically what's going on right now on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, he'll nap debate and everything. It's. <sighs> Yeah, the whole libertarian principles thing. It's like I think libertarian principles can get you somewhere. I think people don't actually know what libertarian principles at this point. Yeah, they don't know it, and it's frustrating. <laughs> I don't know it either, but <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> when someone urges you to be realistic, may you pick up an ag- may you pick an agorist book to get the best description you can find on how algorithm actually works. If you want to find books and articles that were fake reality for wishes, whims, fears, and spites. Look for labels such as liberal, conservative, socialist, communist, fascist, or worst of all, middle of the road and moderate. Yeah, that's. I like this next line. Go ahead. (laughs) Reality knows no moderation, it is. I like that. Uh, All the way. Kind of reminds me of that Sterner quote. It was like, um, not Sterner, it was like, but might might is right, might is. Right? Yeah. I like that. I, oh, I don't know who that was. I mean, that is definitely derived That's from Sterner. Sterner but yeah, it, attitude, I don't but know I if Sterner said themselves. That sounds like something somebody riffed off of it. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I like that, though. It is a very much a, the whole idea of, like, you know, I like to rip on centrists where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, like, what do you mean? Cent- oh, well, no, we just need to have less of this. You know, we need to have a compromise. It's like, no, like, I mean, maybe in certain aspects of life, but it... it yeah, I mean, is it or is it not? Like, what what are we talking about here? Like, you you, you need some principles essentially to some extent. So, yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. All the way one, all the way one way of thinking came close to agorism, and is fairly well known today. We would deal with libertarianism later in some detail. An ideology of liberty. It had to choose at one point between consistency with reality. And being the politics of liberty, it shows the latter. The contradiction of speaking political power over others to eliminate political power over others. That's basically all the uh, post-libs early critiques of Mises caucus. It's like, you don't need mm-hmm. national politics. And we're going to want national politics to tell you, you don't need national politics. Yeah, which I, I, I know people will make and do like these backflips about like theory and like how it apply, like how it's not inconsistent or whatever. But it's like, mm-hmm. at the very least, it, it comes off as odd. Like, yeah. so it kind of dilutes the message. And this is kind of where I've got it before with, you know, kind of like to talk about like the post-libertarian stuff. It's like, at least, like, if you're going to go like the conservative route or the political route, like, at least, like, I guess to some extent you're doing it, but not 
you're not i don't know have to do it under the banner of the libertarian party kind of dilutes what libertarianism is yeah so like i mean i'm i don't know like it, it's kind of this middling nonsense essentially but but like, yeah let's uh, that's all i really gotta say in that so one of my uh I mean, yes, you said I wanted to add on, but I forgot what it was exactly. Um, I was gonna find it. Um, yeah, one thing when it comes to like people speaking in political realities, it's like from the libertarian side, it's like yes, libertarian third party candidates are not the reason your guy lost. That is mm. truthful. It does not matter anymore. It, mm. It's like you can have all the truth on your side, but these people who actually vote and you have to get convinced, they, they don't care about that. You know, you can be completely right and make no impact on them. They don't. They yeah. can't. Some libertarians can't accept that. They, everyone's logical. It's a marketplace of ideas. It doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. And the marketplace of ideas is, uh, to some extent, it's true, but it's also like people look at the marketplace of ideas uh, thing and they look at it in like a vacuum as if, oh, the only factor here is the strength of your argument or, or the strength of the idea. And it's like, no, there's a million other factors that come into play. Like yeah. it, there's deception. There's 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 all sorts of things. I mean, like that's Edward Bernays' propaganda, essentially. Which, mm. I mean, that would be another good one for you to probably cover one of these days. That's a great one. I have, you know? I have right now. I'm trying to go to uh, Zakuno's uh, propaganda. Mm. He's a, he's an early he's one of, uh, Christian anarchist. Wrote against technology. Hmm. Interesting guy. Yeah. Where was I? Those who continued. Those who continue to seek liberty consistently and without the practical contradiction of libertarians become agorists. This is second historical definition for you. Agorism is an ideology then, but it is also a scientific and def definitively materialist way of thinking. It is not a religious view, save that it believes absolute freedom to be more, nor does it wish to dis displace anyone's religious views. Unless they lead to slavery. Agorism wants no true believers in a sense of blind followers like any scientific, scientifically based mo mode of thought. It will evolve as does our understanding of reality. It, it kind of reminds me of like objectivism a little bit. You know, that's kind of like mm -hmm. a very. Yeah. It's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things like objectivism can line up with. So it'd be great. And they're so. They can't, they can't bend the knee or break a little bit from one thing to mix with other stuff. And it's just so it's, – it's dead. It's a ended. It's a closed loop. It's nothing new. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's kind of sad because there's a lot of data awful. But Yeah. I, I do want to touch on it. It says agorism and it's ideology, which is key because uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a stupid point for me to even bring up because it's almost just this like uh, autism type thing where it like bugs me. But there's a common thing people say all the time where they'll be like, because there's a difference between agorism and counter-economics, which we'll get into. Like, counter-economics is a key component of agorism, but agorism is the ideology as a whole. And, then, and that's why I was getting – I agree with you with the, the objectivism thing because I think if you were going to define – like, say, with objectivism, how do you define objectivism? What is objectivism? It's that which – Ayn Rand is the one who, who created it. So it's only fair that she gets to define it. I mean, yes, we can get to the point of, like – you know, you can define words however you want because words are subjective. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be if we're going to be fair, I think you're going to say objectivism is that which Ayn Rand defined objectivism as because she mm -hmm. is the one who created it. And the same thing goes for Konkin. So basically, I mean, obviously within like we'll go into the we'll get at some point we'll get through this whole book. But, you know, Konkin lays out in here what he sees agorism as. And so like 
there may be areas where, which aren't sharply defined, and so there might be able to be disagreements along the edge. But if we're going to be, you know, going to be consistent with like what he said, there are certain things that you're like, this is agorism, this is not. So you, whether you like it or not, it's mm -hmm. so my point I'm getting is a lot of people like be like, hey, why don't we do politics? Why can't you do politics and agorism? Because it's like you're talking about counter economics. Agorism mm -hmm. is ideology as a whole that Kong can define. So you cannot do agorism in, in, yeah. in politics because he will get into it later, but he, he explicitly says no to that. Yeah. Like that is not agorism. And I'm not even saying that like, I'm, and I, I get it. There are people who are like politically involved and like to call them agorists. And I'm not even saying that in a bad way. If you want to define yourself as that, it's, that's fine. But at the end of the day, know in your deepest, darkest autism part of your brain, that's not true. And that's fine. I mean, it, yeah. it, it is, it's just, but you know, it's just one of those Spurg moments for me. I'm like, but you're kind of not. Like, yeah. Oh, like, I, I, you're practicing counter-economics. You're not I, technically an agorist, which yeah. I mean, and I'm not even saying that to be mean. I'm just saying like, technically, like yeah. <laughs> that's what that is. So I, cool. and, and that's, and I think that's key to understanding what it is. Cause it's like, especially people are really like, I, I don't know. They're just, you, I see so much autism online. I generally don't engage. I, I have occasionally once or twice, but I generally don't get into it because then you just look like this, like, I'm not even arguing, like, consistency. I'm just arguing definitions when I get mm -hmm. it. When, like, I'm saying, but all it does is oh, look like purism. You know, it's yeah. like, like, you're not a weird one. I'm the weird one. It's, it's, yeah, like, I'm not even advocating one way or the other. I'm just saying, technically speaking, if we're yeah. going by definitions, no. <laughs> yeah. That's so, why. <laughs> Wan was, like, the exact same way. If you didn't accept objectivism as a totality, see that once you're in a group. Yeah, you know, exactly. Did one disagreement, you were out, and it's like it's yeah. Is there's a there's a there's a benefit to that I think, but also there's so many downsides to it. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm I'm still not sure if I agree with sort of stance on that or not. Because I think this, if objectivism was open ended, and it was incorporating other things, like I I've, I've incorporated a lot of objectivism into Catholicism. There's a yeah. lot of things there that mats, and he turned to an objectivist and they freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I'm kind of a fan of it because uh, I know I did an episode forever ago with uh, Ace and uh pops and we were talking about like thick and thin libertarianism and mm. we kind of all agreed that what we want is like uh i mean yes libertarianism is thin like at its at its core but i think everyone should find their thick libertarian where it's like mm -hmm. this is my thing and like because then you end up kind of having these i don't know separate you know factions and not even necessarily separate we can kind of work together but it, it, I don't know, it kind of allows essentially, you know, a marketplace of ideas, essentially. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily, but it, it kind of allows people to have, I don't know, I, I forget how we put it. But I, I don't know, I kind of I kind of like it. But I mean, you do also have to kind of not go too crazy with it. Um, I guess you are kind of a I'm a libertarian socialist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily dis disagree with it because there is the issue when you do only thin libertarianism where it's it defined as anything. That's one of the big things that... Not to keep it bringing the post, but that's kind of they're what's hot right now, you know. But um, if you go too thin, that's why you get into like nonsense. Like if you just define anything as uh, as long as you don't hurt each other or whatever, it's all good. Wh whatever, like it, I don't know, you kind of get into wishy washy nonsense that you know, and then you get into like, oh well, I define the NAP this way, I define it that way. It, it it's kind of it's kind of good that we have these agorists, that we have Hoppians, that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, post libertarians that we have the Rothbardians that we I, I'm a fan of that you know that way we you can kind of uh, take notes from everybody instead of being this wishy-washy fucking let's all be friends I'm not saying we shouldn't all be friends but you just kind of get into this um, this amorphous blob of an ideology yeah. essentially. Yeah, so, 
and I and I all the like there are benefits to having like you can't narrow it down because then you can't like attack it all like it's a hole. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you it's, it's hard to sell something that's not a hole, you know. Yeah. So let's see, where were we? Um, um here we go. It will evolve Hester's our understanding of reality. One who has faith in something in something proven false that was once a tent of agorism is not an agorist. Reality is our standard. Nature is our lawgiver. In a general sense, agorism is scientific in that it bases itself on verifiable observations about reality. But in a scientific it but it is scientific in a specific sense as well. It may be hard for a chemist, physicist, physicist, engineer to believe that a hard science was ever developed in fields of economics and political science, but the discovery of this science by me, a hard-bitten theoretical chemist, cynical of soft science, led eventually true libertarianism to agorism. I had no idea. I had no idea he was a chemist. Yeah, I forgot about it too, to be honest. <laughs> he, I don't know why, but I see I, I picture him in his face, and that's kind of how like I picture someone walking in the lab kind of looks like. You saying he looks like a nerd? He does. He, does. he looks he does so fucking weird. He looks like a he's fat nerd. <laughs> I, I can't every image of my mind. I added a piece. He's holding a piece of pizza, and every image I can imagine him of. He's like, so here's what you gotta do while he's eating his pizza. The study of human action. I can never. I can never say that word. Produce. Produce some. We. Some. Repeatable observations discerning the title of scientific law. The area of human action dealing with exchange between acting humans. Cat- that's a, what was that? Yeah, I don't blame you on that one. That, catalactics, I think? I, I don't know. That's a weird word. Catalactics. Uh, I'm going to read that. If this area of study appeals to you, by all means, go to the source. Human action. Oh, shit. I thought he was going to actually describe what it is. I don't, I'll don't. i be honest. I don't know what the fuck catalactics is. I haven't gone that deep. Uh, I guess it's a Mises thing. I'll be honest. I haven't read enough. I haven't read much Mises. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm walking my way through Mises little. now, yeah. but it's I haven't got to that yet. Yeah. Oh well, covers the same area of thought that economics is supposed to cover, but often with very different conclusions. This kind of economics, sometimes called Austrian economics, was used by speculators such as Harry Brown and Doug Casey for investing in hard money instruments, beating taxes, and surviving when society around them is operating on unreason and folly. It is that potent of a tool, potent a tool for survival amidst gloom and doom. I mean, that's a fair uh, point. I think. Uh, I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I like that last line. It's a tool for survival amidst doom and gloom. Uh, but go, but go on. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't. We you can't keep going off every little tangent and going on thing because yeah, we're, we're we're still in the introduction. <laughs> oh my god! It's been 30 minutes and we're still only like like four pages in. <laughs> this is gonna be a long series. Um. Where was I? However, it can be more. By applying his economic understanding to all human action, regardless of the wishes, whims, fears, and spite of the most powerful agency in society, the state, coercive government. A new field of theory dealing only with practical action emerges, counter-economics. Finally, when libertarian theory meets counter-economics, what comes out in strict consistency, both external and internal, is agorism. This is still another definition. And this is the definition was, <coughs> excuse me, What's I feel most comfortable? The one that receives of the intellect find hardest to pervert or steal. Agorism. Is a consistent integration of libertarian theory with counter-economics practice. An agorist is one who acts consistently for freedom and in freedom. A basic understanding of agorism falls naturally into four phases of integration or four steps of learning. 
and just in the grasping the premises involved, once you'd be able to apply them, remember always the algorithm integrates theory and practice. Theory without practice is gameplay and taken seriously. That's a good line. Yeah, I like that. I mean, really, even if you're not an agorist, that's kind of one thing I've been getting at. And I think that's a lesson a lot of us are learning uh, through 2020. Even, even really, I, I feel like that's a consistent lesson. A lot of them, even the people who are still operating the LP and stuff like that, is that, you know, praxis. Like, you need to have praxis. Like, I mean, I relate to myself. Praxis. Yeah, that's why so many people are getting into uh, agorism. Even the people who are like, People who are saying like, oh, uh, you know, like even people who are still operating in the political, you know, arena. They're, they're still a lot of them are advocating for. Okay, I, I actually just made the same mistake I talked about earlier, saying agorism, but I mean no, counter economics yeah. because a lot of people are understand like we need to do something. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, and you have on. to be autonomous in some sense now. Like yeah. if you're not, if you're not working on being autonomous, you're yeah. fucked. Yes. What was I? Um, theory without practice is game playing. I've lost my page. Um, yeah. Serious I practice game playing. Taken seriously, it leads to withdrawal from reality, mysticism, and insanity. Practice without serious is robotic. Taken seriously, it leads to tilling barren soil and sewing up for work at closed factories. Perhaps it would help to think if Siri has wedded to practice where divorce leads to ruin. Or the relationship could be viewed as that between brain and stomach or mind and body. Music can survive without the other. So four concepts and four applications leads it naturally to eight chapters. The author and publisher welcome you. Welcome your questions because they will indicate where we can clarify and improve subsequent editions. And that's the introduction. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No. Uh, I think that stands on its own. I don't have much to add to that one. Uh, you want to try to knock out the next chapter? Let's go for it. All right. I'll, if you want, I'll, I'll read this chapter. Go ahead. Um, Economics is a dismal science. Those understanding certain economic concepts profit flamboyantly. Economics is a tool corporations and governments use to control society. Those understanding economic concepts have toppled governments that refuse to face the very same concepts. Economics is a meaningless college exercise. Speculators understanding economics make millions of dollars and save others from financial ruin. Here's our problem. All the above statements are true. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. There's a lot That there. one kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah. Yeah, right? I, they seem inconsistent, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I'm going to school now to try to get a degree in economics. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, what am I really doing with that? You know, it's like professors, colleges are going online. So, you know, it's not like there's going to be a lot of jobs available. I'm like, am I just going to school for four, four to five years or just to learn something fun? You know, mm -hmm. like that just seems like a waste of time. But I don't know. Yeah, it's, every one of those sentences is a whole good like 20-minute conversation, you know? So, yeah, this is a fantastic book. Yeah. Anyone listening, uh, again, if you're, if you're listening to Jose say so you probably own it or have already read it, but read it again. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's worth it. Yeah, and, and like I know we're taking a long time on like the introduction and the – in the the chapter so it may make it seem like it's longer than it is but this is literally a book you can knock out a day and i'm yeah. a slow reader so i i i want to say both of these books like That's new Lieutenant manifesto yeah you go ahead and open it i mean uh you I'm, let me see like look let me see if i can get a good look how big those oh, i can't get it i don't have a good focus i was trying to show up uh, yeah there you go uh you can see how big those words are. Like that's just two paragraphs on the whole page. Like these are things yeah. you can you can cruise through easily. Like I'm a slow reader, and I want to say I don't think I spent more than three days on either of the books of New Libertarian Manifesto mm -hmm. or Agoras or uh, an Agoras Primer. Uh, so yeah. Um, 
Thank you, Bonghorn Langhorn. I feel like the commentary is worth the extra time. Thank Bonghorn you. Bonghorn Langhorn. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, that, if that makes you think there's an inconsistency in the use of economics, you are correct. With a lowercase e, economics is a study of relations between people involving goods and services. With a capital E, economics is an institution financed mostly by governments and its tax-privileged foundations. With foundation money, this institution controls, however imperfectly, those who would learn and teach economics at government schools or private colleges. We're getting that ringing again, by the way. I don't know if you want to try to uh, mute until you have something to say. That way it doesn't yeah, I think, I think I would do that. Yeah, there you go. And just unmute when you get something to say. <laughs> um, uh, maybe this appears to be a big deal made out of little, after all, is not most of chemistry and astronomy and mathematics also institutionalized? Imagine the case where only pro-government chemistry, conservative astronomy, or socialist biology was taught, and those who tried to teach straight science were vilified as crackpots. Fantastic. Lysenko's pseudo-biology was taught in the Soviet Union because it was more in line with Marxist theory than with straight genetics. Currently, man-made global warming is approaching the status of state-approved climatology, with the center shouted down, defunded, smeared as apologists for polluters, and even threatened with the rescission of their academic degrees. Yeah, there's a lot there. I don't know if you have anything to add yeah, to that. Yeah, like, even the uh, the guy who founded the Wizard Channel, like, mm-hmm. those apps and network, he's not allowed to see it anymore. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's going crazy. Yeah. It's like, and he, I talk to my friends who are like, all these, uh, I have a lot of friends who are like, God, college, you know, getting to the, they all have like master's and bachelor's degrees, and I bring up like the political station of uh, colleges, and they're like, "No, it's just pure academic studies." I'm like, "It's fucking not. <laughs> it's not." <laughs> it... All right. Yeah, Perhaps you will grant that government can use its control, use its control of schools and colleges to teach a twisted version of economics. Could then better economics be taught if government were improved? The answer is not a chance. As you will see in chapter six, if people understood economics. Coercive government would not could not could not survive. An uncoercive government is a contradiction in terms. So that, that's a pretty good one. I don't know if you have anything to add to that one, I mean, no, I think he spells it out right there. It's definitely the yeah. I mean, we can totally play back to uh, anatomy of state because in anatomy of state they go into how the in, intelligentsia is like a, basically mm-hmm. an arm of the state. So it makes sense when you're learning economics from them. It's like, I mean, what kind of economics you're gonna be learning? Like, so. I mean, they're obviously not going to prop up correct economics. That's going to yeah. lead to the downfall because if you understand economics, I mean, I, economics is everything uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Oh, yeah. you can, I think you legitimately can break down everything into economic terms. So yes. it, it just, it just man action. I mean, maybe you could say maybe like the spiritual realm isn't, but even then, I'm sure some autists could make some sort of argument yeah. to like even that is somehow Look, economic. You know, <laughs> one of the best Catholic books ever was Tom Woods' uh, "Search in the Market," where he applies Austrian economics to certain social teachings in some ways. You know, it's fantastic um no yeah like, when it comes to intellectuals in the state like anatomy of the state and uh help us intellectuals and the public intellectuals and elites in society very mm-hmm. so article all great like intellectual class is the reason a lot of people believe in the state it used to be the church and now it's the intellectual class and it's very important that we get this yeah, no, Hoppe really is one of the ones that, like, everything he touches is fucking cold. Yeah, um, I, I can't yeah. read enough Hoppe. Yeah. I got and every, then, I, I, I book ever wrote, right? Yeah. And, and then, and then the, the Konkin, like, Konkin's kind of the same way, in my opinion. Like, I, lo- I love his work, but the problem is you just had so little of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember how old he died, but he died pretty young. So it's like, it's like, yeah. he f- I mean, not young, young. I don't, I don't know, but he was, he was, he definitely had a lot of time left, and he definitely had more books to write. And it's it definitely a downer that he fucking died so early. Yeah. So, 
What we wish to accomplish in this chapter is simply to give you a basic understanding of real economics. No, this is not just to help explain the rest of this book with even an elementary understanding of economics. Fewer con games can defraud you, especially the high-stakes political kind. Let us start with why people ec act economically. Value. Right down here, right down here, there at the very bottom, uh, we begin. Human beings act. You know, human action. There you go. Why? Lud Ludwig von Mises said it best, to remove felt unease. If you were perfectly content, nothing and no one nagging at you, and you knew that if you did nothing, you could continue to be content, would you move? There's a good Ron Swanson quote that's like, uh, if people get the cho choice to do something or nothing, they'll always choose nothing. <laughs> that kind of applies here. Um, remember, moving from this state will increase unhappiness. Of course you wouldn't move. Even if you said you would move to relieve boredom, you'd be violating the hypothesis. You'd be more bored by moving since that is an increase in unhappiness, which I, I, I love how he, fr he frames it here because it's very much like it's, it brings it back to economics is everything. Like mm -hmm. uh, everything is human action and everything is like it's just what incentivizes human beings to do things, you know, values, subjective, so on and so forth. So, you know, aha. Uh -huh. uh, do you have something to add? I thought I heard you. No, I just said uh, he summed up the beginning of human action so well. You know, it's like yeah. I've been on human action like three times now. He sums it up so succinctly. It's just it's incredible. Yeah. Aha. Is that not a contradiction? You rightfully ask. Correct. And if an assumption leads you to a contradiction, it is wrong. Our assumption was that you could achieve a state of ease. Therefore, such a human condition is impossible. In reality, man always has reason to feel unease, to feed himself, clothe himself, shelter himself, reproduce and, and feed, shelter and clothe others, amuse himself, and so on. Unease cannot be eliminated. It can, however, be reduced. It can also, unfortunately, be augmented. I do think uh, I, I want to touch on unease cannot be eliminated. Um, I want to say real quick, I, I feel like that kind of gets at the whole like magic silver bullet aspect of any, any theory or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not not getting at that like a magical utopia there will never be a utopia ever mm. ever 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 yeah but there are will all there can always be preferable modes of existence and that's kind of what he's getting there so Hoppus built it out in a serious socialism and capitalism even in the garden of eden you would need um property ownership and there would still be conflict yeah so like, you, you can't escape it mm -hmm. if you seek to starve yourself or bore yourself you increase your unease some actions you perform achieve negative goals. Some achieve positive ones. Those which remove felt unease are values. I like that. Uh, you know, he's just describing value as that which uh, removes unease. So it's that which improves uh, your condition in some method or in some mode or whatever. If someone has something that will remove your unease, but taking it will increase theirs, we have a conflict in values. This conflict in values need not arise from direct confrontation. Suppose you and another are offered a scrumptious dessert and the other is dieting desperately. You value it. The other dis disvalues it. Value is subjective. I mean, I like how he brought it up to dieting. Like, you know, for some people, if you're if you're a fat ass and you're not really trying to, uh, I mean, you just want to, that's your, your inherent subjective value is you want to eat more, you're going to eat more. And if you're someone who's trying to, you know, improve yourself, that's your value. Um Value is subjective. The simple insight made by Carl Menger, uh, the teacher of von Mises, revolutionized primitive economics and cured many of the problems plaguing the science since Adam Smith. Had Marx heeded Menger, socialism, uh, socialism would have been abandoned. Subjective value leads to individualism. 
It also explains so powerfully why people trade and it demolishes theories of exploitation. Before subjective value, Marx could look at the work of Adam Smith, who thought value arose from the amount of labor one put into, re into producing something and see no productive role for anything but laborers, concluding that all the others must be parasites. There are parasites in our system, economics tells us, and we shall use our new understanding to ferret them out in the next chapter. Finally, when people trade, they are acting to remove felt unease in both directions. You may give up a smaller value for a larger, but never the other way around, voluntarily. If you're willing to let your brother work for you and pay him more than he's worth, you know what this means to you. He's worth extra because he's my brother. You've still gained a greater value. If values were not subjective, why would anyone trade? We would all value things equally and be content with what we had. Well, not entirely. We would also want more value. Onward then to the next powerful economic concept. I don't know if you have anything to add to that one. No, I got nothing to add. It, again, uh, trying to explain Austrian economics, my friends who've taken like two economics courses and you know everything. Mm -hmm. I was failing miserably. Read this, like, oh, I know how to like, actually engage with something. Mises, he's very smart, but you, you can't, you can't quote the people. You have to like translate it. This, yeah. you can just quote the people. Yes. All right, marginal utility. Suppose you, being a shepherd, had 10 sheep and a nice woolen coat you laboriously made from your 11th sheep. If someone came along and offered you a coat just like it for your 10th sheep, you'd tell them to buzz off. Along comes a rich shepherd and sees your coat. You tell him how you got it and even tell him how to make one. He can think of better things to do than to make a coat, but he'd like to have one. He'll trade you a sheep for a coat. No better off subjectively you refuse. He offers you two and you know you'd be ahead. You can make another coat and have 11 sheep again. Meanwhile, the rich shepherd would rather have 98 sheep and a coat than 100 sheep and no coat. I don't know if you have anything to add to that one. Uh, that's kind of the, I mean, we're going to like deep economic terms, but marginal utility, you know, just, I mean, with this one's the idea that like, you know, once you get more of it, it kind of reduces the value to some extent. So, yeah. you know, that's why it's like, you know, would you rather have 98 sheep uh, and a coat or 100 sheep and no coat? It's like those last two sheep have less value. I mean, individually, they have the similar value, but, you know, subsequently they reduce the value to some extent. So, yeah. Uh, but this example so far is still one of subjective value. His final offer is three sheep. Joyfully, you accept. As you are leaving, you run to another poor shepherd with 10 sheep and a coat. There seems to be a lot of this going on. He offers you coat for a sheep and is willing to accept two sheep. You're still ahead, 11 sheep and the coat, and you don't have to make it yourself. Such a deal. Using the wool coat as our medium exchange, we find out something interesting. Sheep are sheep, as far as the example is concerned. Yet, while you trade your 11 sheep for a coat, and you would not have traded your 10th, you did trade both your 12th and 13th sheep for a coat. This principle where you value each additional unit less and less is called marginal utility. You are operating at the margin, and utility is an older word for value. Uh, so marginal value, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I feel like utility throws off some people that word. Um, all sheep and dollars are not alike. Marginal ones are cheaper. Besides giving us an idea which can handle more in economics and also help us to spot fraud, such as tax redistribution, uh, see next chapter, marginal utility leads directly to the next concept, uh, concept division of labor. I don't have anything to add before we move on to the next section. Um, no, I'm, I'm good, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's basic economics being spelled yep. out very if it was complicated, we could break it down, but it's so already simplified. It's nothing to break down, you know? Yeah. All right. Division of labor. 
Subjective value may lead us to think we would prefer producing some uh, some goods rather than others or transporting them, trading them, serving them, or storing them. Yet it is margin utility which tells us why this specialization works. If I produce 10 cooked hamburgers an hour and you produce 12 and we happen to eat the same, it is obvious who has more su surplus to trade and will be eager to do so. I should check out other lines of productivity or, or move to less desirable, at least to you, location where I can compete. This process we are led to specialize by greater productivity and, great, and greater reward it is called division of labor. Von Mises speculated that it, is, it was the glue holding society together. And if you think of society as bigger than a nuclear or extended family, he is right. If Jane sings beautifully and we do not division, uh, do not division labor is why I'm writing this book, eating your hamburgers and we're listening to Jane on the radio. Uh, I do like how he kind of tied into marginal utility and division of labor, where it's kind of the idea of like, you know, you you have reduced value for you know like say I have chickens and like I only and say I rely on those chickens to eat so you know I eat collect the meat I collect the eggs uh, there comes a certain point where it's like I can no longer consume that much so it's less value to be and it's a more value to trade with someone and you know obviously then someone else might have a different thing that I want to trade for and then you have division of labor I don't have anything to add to that one no. Yeah, I know it's pretty basic. You know, when we're just doing economics, yeah. it's like, what do I have to add to this? Yeah, um, when we get to the other stuff, I have things to add. When we get to the yeah. induction, I have things to add, but it's got to get through this chapter. Yeah. All right, basics. With such basic uh, ideas as, as those about trade, exchange, goods, and services that you hopefully already brought with you to this discussion, added on to the concepts of subjective value, margin utility, and division of labor, you are properly armed for understanding agorism. There's far more to economics and still more being discovered and written by written about by all by the all-too-few right kind of economic, ec economists. Before moving on, there's one economic specialty that deserves some extra attention. Since it is so much in everybody's minds, you probably guess that it's money. Money is heavily mystified, and it's not hard to see why. A fool is money are soon parted is a truism nearly as old as money itself. If you can be confused as what money is or how it works, you can be parted from it by those who know what money is. Remember our sheep example? We called the wool coat a medium of exchange to show the different values of sheep. But if we had money, or if we had many wool coats and one sheep being traded back and forth, we could use the same example to show the marginal utility of the eleventh coat or whatever hap number happened to work, and use the sheep, uh, in, and the use of sheep as a medium of exchange. Straight trade of goods for goods barter is crude, and problems related to making change are difficult to solve. Sheep die and wool coats wear out and they do not store value well. And since value is subjective, changes in your needs, tastes, and circumstances alter your values anyways. Nothing can store a change quantity or, as mathers would say, uh, math majors would say, fix a variable. What we would like is something that makes change, stores its value, and is universally acceptable. Uh, everyone wants it all the time. To be blunt, there is no such thing and never will be, though all bank directors, congressmen, and commiss commissars may decree otherwise. Subjective value assures of, of that. I like that, how he put it, that uh, it's essentially like no money is ever going to be the perfect money, and that's kind of the issue we've run into with like things like Bitcoin, uh, yeah. fiat, obviously, you know, uh, other modes of exchange, but just what's preferable give, uh, given the current scenario. And, you know, with everything being subjective, it really is... Like if everything crumbled right now, like we could see, we could legitimately see a, a situation which eggs become money. Like Dude, bring my eggs example. So I'm yeah. reading um, what's it called? History of Money and Banking from a Colonial America to World War II by uh, Oswald mm -hmm. and he's going over different uh, colonies that they use for currency. Like Virginia used tobacco, 
different countries, different uh, colonies, different places. And how memes are changed between like eight different colonies, you know, thirteen colonies. It's, it's crazy to read about. Yeah. But, no, it, 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 this is like this little one section about money. I know it sounds ridiculous when we break it down, and these are like very basic things, but I think people don't realize how few people actually really deeply think about these not even like deeply just just scratch the surface because like something like money like it really is one of those things that once you realize what it is it's ridiculously simple but it's one of those things that most people i'd say 95 plus percent of people out there in the world don't really understand what money is yeah you know like they just don't understand that it's just a medium of exchange anything can be money you know it, yeah it, I mean, obviously, there are better monies than others, but, yeah, like I brought up eggs. Like, eggs can be money. There's, mm-hmm. there's no reason why you can't use an egg as money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but suppose some substance could be divided down to its atoms without changing. Be more resistant to wear and corrosion than almost anything else. Be easily recognized and easily checked as to purity. And be valued already by a lot of people for its usefulness and good looks. Suppose further that it did better than anything else offered in competition. Would not most people flock to it and make it money? No laws would need be passed or institutions founded or advertising campaigns conducted to make it so. Nature would take care of it. Second, third, and fourth choices might be used, but the first would be the standard by which the others were measured. Uh, this is kind of funny that we get at. This is a big thing. I know I, I, wonder if, I think it might have been one of the essays of Spooner. He goes into like competing currencies, and that's one thing that – People go into that like if we fucking if we just didn't have fiat or whatever that like it would just be chaos and it's like no there would be a market of currencies and something would naturally win out and like you mean so I mean it's really we're kind of seeing with crypto I mean there's all different types of cryptos and people are essentially using them as money and yeah I mean it's it's I mean there it will change from day to day which may or may be better or worse as a money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of what he's getting at. You don't need a government, but the government yeah. has convinced people that you need a government in order to have money. Like, you download a crypto app and look at all the different crypto cryptocurrencies and exchange rates between them all. And that's just free market money right there. Yes. Like, it may be hard to understand, but after five yeah. minutes, look at the app, you'll get it. And like, why can't we have this physically? You know? Yeah. I wish, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny too. Like, that Spooner essay I was talking about, he literally, I remember reading, I want to say it's a. Uh, there's a work that I had that I think it was because he was a I think he wrote for like newspapers and stuff and he had different essays here and there and that was where I got that from he uh there there was some essay in there where he was talking about competing currencies and he literally was he he obviously was not around for crypto so he was talking yeah. about different precious metals and he was talking about silver copper you know gold and I think some other things and he he was very much going into and you could literally swap out different types of cryptos and it would make sense yeah. to you know the modern day um Whatever has value. I mean, I, yeah. I can't remember what it was. I saw some uh, like apocalyptic, like I can't remember, like zombies or something. They traded books because like yeah. his book has is a bigger book, but the story sucks. So they had like value yeah. exchanges based on that. It was, it was purely subjective because our books uh, are subjective. So yeah, interesting. Uh, such a substance has been known for millennia. Gold and its close chemical relatives, platinum, silver, and copper, remain the choice of a free market. Even in an unfree market where money is imposed by force against the will of traders, that is, by fiat, gold remains the money of the underground economy and of the overseas economy working around the fiat money. Why fiat money exists at all and what it has to do with inflation is an important topic in our next chapter, which I did want to touch on real quick that, like, we touch on crypto and gold. These are both boom. I mean, maybe not like maybe not so. I don't know booming be the correct word, word, but there are definitely existing markets even amongst fiat being a thing. So yeah. 
you know, even with, you know, government, you know, imposed fiat, you know, gold and fucking crypto are both valid, you know, things people use. I mean, we don't use them in normal exchange, but that's actually due to coercion, but people still use them even with that in mind. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, cool. I don't know if you have the ad, but we'll move into the next section. If not, uh, value-free economics. So far, we've avoided loaded terms such as free market, competitive economy, free trade, fair trade, and so on. The Austrian economist, uh, economist Menger von Mises, uh, Eugene von Bombawerk, that's a fun word, uh, and their students believe economics should be a science free of such terms, a value-free, wortfrei, it's a German word, science. Science has values. Try to engage in research without a commitment to truth or an affinity for reality. Many people hold values that are impossible to achieve in reality and are frustrated. They hurt themselves. Many people seek to gain values by misinterpreting reality to others when they are challenged. They accuse the exposers of holding different competing values. Thus, value-free scientists, including economists, find they cannot remain forever neutral in their ivory towers. To the extent, though, that they try by keeping their own subjective values the way they do accomplish much. The scientific method works. And being able to tell people that stealing from everyone and then giving it back to them will make them less well-off is useful no matter how unpopular this is where the application of economics enters. And that's the end of chapter one. That's probably a good spot. Oh yeah. Cruise that one one. hour chapter one and the introduction. Yep. And, uh, I know that one, like, especially second half may be a little bit boring for some people, but it's going to set the, it's going to set the foundations for the future chapters. So, and, uh, I mean, really that's just basic economics, which I mean, if you want this kind of space, you should know basic economics by now. Yeah. Which this is a great book for like, I know we have things like, uh, was economics in one lesson. Obviously Mm -hmm. that's a superior than that like chapter, but you know, if you want a quick, like I know it's economics in one lesson. It's really a lot. It's economics in one lesson is not a long book, but it's still Mm -hmm. a book. Whereas that's like a chapter and it basically covered damn near all of econ- all of the basics of economics. So yeah. even if you just want to read that chapter one of Anagoras Primer and just to get a basic understanding of economics, there you go. You know? Yep. So pretty much I agree. Yeah. Okay then. Um I got nothing to add. I looking forward to going through the rest of it. Yeah. Maybe it's... we can hit like two chapters a, a, an episode or something like that, you know? Right, and knock it out in like five episodes, so that'd be good. Yeah, it's I, uh, I'm looking at people who are going through like these big books on like live reading, like uh, Pete Cronin's doing the like Ted Gazzetta Unabomber one. I mean, that's a, that's pretty big. Is it? I I mean, yeah. this one I've been wanting to read. Like, I've been listening to it, and I'm like, just listen to them read it. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I I'm knew him a little. I wanted to get yeah, I wanted to get into that book eventually, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, dude, he's got some deep shit to say. Like Ted mm-hmm. Gazzetta, like I mean, he should have like you know, mailed to some different places or, or held off on mail. Cause we, we needed more from him. He should be writing in jail. Like what the fuck is going on? So. Well, you can write him letters and he will, he is allowed to respond. And so yeah, okay. he responds often apparently. And yeah, so I'm you really want letters. letters from Ted Kaczynski though. That's a dangerous game. Oh, I, I want to get it. I want him to sign it, put it in my book, my copy yeah. of my book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be an honor to be, to get to receive a bomb from Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> It'd be, oh, like that yeah. dude had mail in voting nailed. Yeah. But yeah, well, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This will this will be good. Uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this one. So yeah, sounds good. Okay mm-hmm. then, um, Jose, you're saying about where can people find you at? 
Oh, um, I, I'm the No Way Jose show is what I have. I'm on YouTube on all the major audio pe- uh, podcatchers. I'm on Odyssey as well. Definitely go to Odyssey. Uh, Reed Coverdale just got uh, a, a strike on his channel today for uh, questioning the uh, religious ritual that occurs every four years. Um, and I literally just yesterday did a episode on said relig- re- religious ritual and how they tried to fortify it and also that – that fateful day where they, uh, where they, I don't know, they desecrated the cathedral of democracy. Um, and so, you know, just my days may be numbered. Uh, I don't have as big of a platform as Reed had. So maybe I'm kind of like cruising under the radar, mm-hmm. but, uh, there's still, there, that's still a thing, you know, and that, yeah. I know there was like months ago it was, they were really being crazy about that, but it's still a thing that's still happening. You're still getting dinged for shit for that. So, Big time go to Odyssey. Uh, I mean, you know, me, Reed, all the people. And then, like, also on top of that, if you want to support me to be able to, like, because, I mean, I don't make a ton of money off YouTube, but I make some money because I'm monetized now. So, I mean, if I get dinged off of Odyssey. Oh, no, uh, Michael, Odyssey is, well, I guess to some extent they're kind of censoring, but with a reasonable, because, I mean, any platform is going to uh, censor. uh, But, like, I mean, uh, like I don't know, the crazy stuff like porn and stuff. But, no, I'm talking about – that, that he got hit on youtube so uh but yeah anyways but my point being is uh you know if i get dinged if i ever get my youtube pulled off uh i it's gonna be it'll be a little bit of a ding uh for me for money wise so i definitely uh, would ha- ask for people to support me uh you know monetarily if they can on uh, like uh, on my patreon at patreon.com just no way jose 2020 I, uh, I do give a little bit of perks cause I usually, my method is I'll do how I go about doing my show is I'll do live streams and then, uh, I will then immediately put it on unlisted status. So it's, uh, and then I'll release them later as, as numbered episodes. However, I feel fit cause I can, you know, I can edit it if need be. And so mm-hmm. you'll still have access to the episode, even in that in between time. And also I give out my uh, patrons a code to be able to chat to me during the live chats and I will bring it up. You don't have to super chat or anything. You get preference over everybody because you're a supporter. Uh, maybe once I get more, I might start getting different tiers. Maybe like uh, people the high up I can do episodes with or something like that. Mm. But as of right now, I have a pretty small patron. So it's just, you know, that that's yeah. that's my uh, that's my case right now. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm on Twitter as well, at Galison Jose. Or you can type in Jose Galison. You'll find me. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on on, on my channel. <laughs> uh but no it, 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 i i did i definitely enjoyed doing this and i think i'll enjoy it more as we get more into it because yeah this uh, this this one was very much setting the groundwork you know to then work off of so we'll, we'll we should have more yeah. to conversate off of later to you know yeah well got another episode this has been a first episode of face liberty and praxis thank you rob for the name i i text my friend rob like i need a name for my podcast catholic libertarians too you know just descriptive mm-hmm. And he's like, just face liberty and practice. I'm like, in five minutes, he was a way better fucking name. Mm. Um, so thank you, Rob. Okay, guys. Should go uh, to Brown Town or something, you know? <laughs> I, I still call it the Brown Square because the Nazis had brown uniforms. It's so calling mm. like the Brown Scale, you know? But I, I don't, I'm trying to fly under the radar a little bit, you know? Hey, Michael. Yeah, it's no way Jose on Odyssey as well. Yeah, I don't. But yeah. So sorry. There we go. Well. Uh, another episode. Uh, follow me on Twitter at CaleBrown549 and uh, subscribe to the show. This episode will be uploaded to my channel probably about a week, maybe. You know, I'm not sure I'm gonna put it out, but um, but yeah, uh, go ahead and go ahead and wrap it up, Jose. All right.